Whom shall he teach knowledge? Whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Welcome to the Save Nine service from the True Vine Cathedral with God's servants, Reverend William Abu. At the Save Nine service, you are nourished, revitalized, empowered as you listen. It's a privilege to be here again um, this Saturday evening. And um, last Saturday we're not here, but God has given us the grace to be here again. So I'm happy that you can be in this service with us. Um, close your eyes and let us pray. Father, we thank you for this evening. Thank you for your goodness towards us. Thank you for your faithfulness has kept us and brought us this far. Thank you for the opportunity we have one more time to be in your presence, to share fellowship with you, to hear you speak to us. We ask the Lord you will open our hearts and make us receptive to your word, Lord. May our ears be open to hear. May our hearts be open to believe. May the word that you speak to us change us. Make us the people you want us to become. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Oh, amen. I think you can put your hands together for the Lord in your house, where you are. And it's a blessing to be here again. Okay, so um, it's a new month, and so I want to preach something um, new this month. Last month, we talked about something very important. We talked about habits. And I believe that, I want to believe that um, what you learned is working for you. You are putting it into practice. And it is working for you and like i always always been saying the bible says that blessed are you when you hear these things if you do them the blessing of what you have heard the blessing only comes to you the blessing comes to you only when you do what you have heard amen but this um evening i want to i want us to start talking about a very important um, subject and the, and the subject is taming the tongue. Amen. Taming the tongue. Now, many years ago, Bishop Doug had a small book that was called that, Taming the Tongue. Today, you will not find it in the Macarius. I'm not sure what book it is in, but I have a, a copy of, of the old one. So that's where I'm preaching from. So that's where we are we're going to talk about. Now, let me read a verse. Um, Let's read a verse, and let's see why it is important for us to tame our tongue, and, and we see what the Bible says. So, um, James, I think it is in the book of James. James 3, right. So, if you have a Bible in your house, sometimes when you are doing online church, there's a way that you just relax in the sofa. Some, some of you even lie down. You don't lie down during church time. It's not right. I don't know where you learned it from, but you don't lie down during church time. You sit, yeah, oh, look at that. <laughs> you sit up. You get it. I mean, if you were sitting in church, in, in K church or J church, 
you know, you'd be, you'd be sitting up in a plastic chair. So sit up and take your Bible and take your notebook and take your pen. When I, op- when I say open to a verse, open to the verse. You know, I'll tell you something, eh? Um, the verses, I'm, I'm sure some other men of God, I've heard some other men of God say the same thing. But the verses that I remember, like, very easily, they are actually verses I learned many years ago when I was, a, when I was younger. You get it? So, it's very important for sometimes, sometimes people wonder how, you know, how, like, as a preacher, how do you even remember that this thing is in the Bible? It is because when the preaching is going on there and they say open to, and you even open to the verse, not, not, not even to memorize it, but like you just open to the verse and to read it. One day when you need to call up that example, you remember that I saw a verse like this some time ago when a man was preaching in somewhere around James or something. So don't just sit down there lying down your sofa in your pajamas because the service is at 7 o'clock, so you are already wearing your pajamas, getting ready to, <laughs> to sleep. Don't do that. It is church. All right. So let's, let's read this interesting thing the Bible says about a tongue. Okay. And I'm reading it from the New, New King James so that it is um, easier to understand. New King James is very close to King James, but it's a bit, a bit more modern. So verse 1 says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Um, verse, verse 2 says, For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. And I, I think the word bridle there means to, to guide or to hold in check or to restrain. So you see, what, I, what, the, what James is saying here is that um, for a person... For a person to have control over his behavior and to behave, the key is to start from your tongue. Like what he's saying that, maybe I should continue to read it. Then you understand. I'll come back to the verse 2 and explain it a bit more. Verse 3 says, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths. There's this thing that, you know, you've seen, you know, the horses, they have something they put in their mouth and then they have the whatever uh, leather straps that go to the back to the person who is, who is holding them, who can control them, but there's something in their mouth to which the leather straps are... And it is when you, when you tag on it that you tell the horse to go left, to go right, that's what we call a bit. So it says, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us and we tend their whole body. Verse 4 says, look also at ships Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder. In a car, you have a steering wheel, but in a ship, you don't have a steering wheel. You have a rudder. You get it? That, you know, it's also round sometimes. You can turn it around. But the whole big ship, you know, not boat, not canoes or like boats. There's big ships that have several rooms. People sit in, you know, like cruise ships. There's several hundreds of people are in with beds and things like that. And there's a room, there's a control room that has a small steering wheel like that, which when you just turn it, the whole big ship can move to the left or to the right. That is called a rudder. So the Bible is saying that, that look at how big a ship is. 
and yet that small radar there can just turn that big thing to the left or to the right. It says, and, and, and attend, they attend by a very small radar wherever the pilot desires. Verse 5 says, even so, the tongue is a little member. A little member. A little member means a little small part of the body. You take the whole body. The tongue is one of the smallest parts. Not the smallest, but one of the small, the small, small, small parts of the body. The tongue is one of the small parts. You know, more like that. The tongue is a little member. And it boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. He's comparing, it's a lot of comparisons that he's doing. He's compared it to the radar in a ship, compared it to the bait in the horse's mouth. He's comparing it also now to fire. If you, if you put light a small fire in somewhere in the forest somewhere, that small fire can light and bend the whole forest down. That's what he's saying, that the tongue is like that. says verse 6. And the tongue, the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. The tongue is so set is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell amen then verse 7 says for every kind of beast and bed of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by, by mankind but no man can tame the tongue. Verse 8. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Are you still here? Hmm. Then he says, with the tongue, with it, with the tongue, we bless our God and Father. And with it, we curse men. Who have been made in the similitude of God. Similitude means in the image of God look like God. Verse 10, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. Then he says, my brethren, these things ought not to be so. Verse 11, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? And then verse 12, he says, can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives and a grapevine bear figs, thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Hallelujah. This, this is a long passage, but this is, this is giving you clearly, trying to explain to you clearly why it is very important for us to be aiming to tame our tongue because it can be very dangerous. Very dangerous. Small in your mouth, but it can, it, I mean, it determines how your whole body and your whole future will go. Which is why um, this, this evening, starting this evening, we are going to be talking about, um, about the various dangers that are in the tongue. And then we're going to deal with them one by one. So today, we are discussing the poison of lies. The poison of lies. Amen. So I'm going to start now. When I say lies, lie is a lie is the noun. Lie is the noun, right? The verb is to lie. You get it? Then the person who does the lying is called a liar, not it? Uh -huh. So you so you so you can you can have 
lie noun, which is the thing itself, lying, which is the continuous present of the verb. Liar is the noun, or the person who does the lying, commits the act, is called a liar. Now, let us define the words and the word, and then let's see whether we can get a better understanding of it. We're not going to be here for long this evening, because I'm going to be talking about lying for the rest of the month. So this July is the month of taming, dealing with the poison of lies. What is a lie? Number one. To lie means, or to, let's, let's define the verb, which is to lie. Okay. To lie means one, to make an untrue statement with the intent to deceive. To lie means to make an untrue statement with the intent to deceive. So you say something which is not true, and, and look at this, there, you, see, you need to pay attention to this um, definition because of it is not only what the person is saying that is important, but the person's mind behind what he's saying, or the person's motive, or the person's intent. Because sometimes I can tell you something which is a lie, but it's because I myself got the wrong information. So what I told you was not true. Not because I intended to, to tell you something which is not true. It's because I myself, the information I got was not true. So I merely passed on to you what was passed on to me, which was not true. That is, that is something else. Here, when we define the lie, we're saying that to lie means to make an untrue statement. First part, the statement is untrue, but with the intent to deceive. So, as you are saying the thing which, it is, which is untrue, you have it in the back of your mind to deceive the person you are talking to. To lie means, number two, to create a false or misleading impression. To create a false or misleading impression. So sometimes it is not something, it is not that you have said a statement which is untrue, but you say something in such a way that the person is thinking something different from what really he should be thinking. What does this make sense to you? You get it. You are saying something. So, so let, let, maybe, let, me, let me try, try and find an example. You are not saying anything that is not, that is not true. That is untrue. But you just create an the impression. The person, the person goes away from you with the untrue uh, impression. In their in their minds. Okay, so let let's, let me give you an example. So, if if while we are in church, we have come to church, and you come. So let's say normally we come to church, and maybe I'm, we are we are upstairs, and the church service has not started, and somebody comes to you and asks you a question that oh. So that so have we started the service service yet? So I went up there. I don't know. I saw I saw Reggie by the piano. Ado, they were all talking to each other. You know, 
He has not said yes or no. He will say something and leave it there. By the time the person finishes talking to you, the feeling you get is that if, if I raise this by the piano, you know a pianist. You get it? So, obviously, he's not a pianist. So, it, can, it cannot be that the service is going on. But is it making sense to you? You know, so you say the thing, but you don't say, yes, the service is going on. No, the service is not going on. But you say the thing in a way and leave it somewhere in the middle so that the person will finish it in his own head and go about with the, with the wrong impression. So he'll be walking on the, on the compound thinking that, oh, Charlie, the thing is not going on, no. But it's going on. Maybe because it's a birthday that he doesn't want you to come and eat the cake some. You get it? I mean, like cutting some cake upstairs, but Charlie, the cake, have they cut it? Oh, the fewer the merrier. So let him be on the car park whilst we are this thing. Sir, why are you going? You are holding a, a knife. Is it time to cut the cake? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that it's time to cut the cake, but they say I should go and wash the knife or something, something. I'm not, whatever. What else is it making sense to you? Yeah, so, so there, there's a way. But you see, I'm going to, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you types of lies today and then we are closing. Then we'll continue next week Sunday. Types of lies, which I also found somewhere. There are many types of lies, but I'm going to, I'm going to share with you three. The first one is what in English they say a bare-faced lie. B-A-R-E-F-A-C-E-D. Bare-faced lie. That one means that you are looking at my face and you're telling me a lie. Like you are not, you're not hiding behind any whatever. You are looking at me bare-faced. I'm looking at you, you're looking at me and you're telling me a lie. You see, and you can find an example of that, plenty of examples of that in the Bible. One that we remember very often, we remember very I mean, easily, is the case of Ananias and his wife. Because they had a plot of land, they sold it. It was their own land. They sold it. They got the money. The money was for them. They decided that they were coming to, come, they were coming to give the money they had got. What's that? The money they had got to, to, the, to, the, to share you know, with the church and everybody who, you know, like how they used to be, do church those times, just share it and everything. But when Ananias came, the Holy Spirit had told Peter that the money he was bringing was not all the money. So Peter asked him a direct question. Is this all the money? When you sold the land, is this all the money that you got? Then Ananias looked at Peter right in the face, and told him a bare-faced lie. Bare-faced lie. He's looking at you face to face and he's saying, yes, this is all the money. And Peter, you know what happened in that story. So, he fell down, he died. A few minutes later, his wife also came in. She, to the, she came and asked, the, the, the money that you, your husband brought, is that all the money you got when you sold the land? She too, bare-faced lie looking at Peter straight in the eyes and told, her, told him the same lie and she too fell down. And that one is, that one is, is normal. That one we see it. That one yeah, we do it like, you know. But that kind of lie, when we are growing up, it sort of like calms down. We become more sophisticated as we grow. We move on to different, the different levels of lying. The, the ones I'm going, to sh- I'm going to show you next. The, the bare-faced one, we do it when we are children. You know, I have not yet learned, you don't have experience. You don't learn, learn the tricks and all these different things. So, 
who took it? The evidence shows that you are the one, but you are saying that I'm not the one who took it. Okay, but when we grow, as we grow older, we don't necessarily don't stop lying, but we we become more sophisticated at it. You'll get it. So the, the next level of lying, the next type of lie, is what we call a half-truth. Half-truth. That one, you need to be skillful about it. Half-truth. A half-truth is a deceptive statement that includes some element of truth. Are you hearing what I'm, what I'm showing you? So the whole thing is not a lie. Some part of it is true. Then he says, the statement might, might be partly true. The statement may be totally true, but only part of the whole truth. Are you understanding? Are you understanding it? You don't understand it. See, oh, when you're telling a half truth, these are the characteristics. <laughs> Number one, the statement, that half truth, the statement might be partly true. Do you see? Might be partly true. Or the statement may be totally true, but it's only part of the whole truth. <laughs> and now, won't you ask it? So you can, you can have a statement that is made, half of it is a lie and half is the truth. You get it? And the person who, who is very, very good at doing this type of thing is the Satan. You get it? Yeah, he's very good at it. You get it? So, like, when he, come, when he came to Jesus to tempt him, that's, this was the method he was using. Because even he did the same thing to Eve. You get it? Like, he, there's, a way, there's a way he just, he says, half of the truth and then half lie or he will say the whole thing he's saying is true but it's not the whole truth there's another part of the, the what am i saying making sense one statement half of it is true half is a lie that's one type or one statement the whole statement is true but there's another part of the truth that he should have added to it to make you decide well do you get it? But you see, so let, let me give you an example. So when, when the devil told Eve that uh, God, God knows that if you eat this fruit, your eyes will be opened. Do you see? Your eyes will be opened. And you will know, you will be able to know good and evil. Do you see? And you will become like God. You see, even, even he, this, this one can take another level. So see, oh, number one, your eyes will be opened. It was true. Their eyes opened. They, they knew good and evil. It is true. The last part is not true. You become like God. Oh, you're, not, you're, not, you're not with me. Yeah. So, first part is true. Your eyes will be open, yes. Second part is true. Is your second part is true. You, 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 uh, you know, you'll be able to descend between good and evil. That's true. The third part, which he added, that you become like God, is not true. Then, he added another, he added, then there was another truth he didn't add. He didn't add that you will die. Because God told them that in the day that you eat it, you will surely die. Do you remember? But when he said it, he didn't tell them that part that after your eyes have opened and you now know good and evil, you will die. He let that one down. It's a truth, but he let it out. And this is, this is, so this is one of the things. So, now I'm not talking about the devil today. We're not discussing him today. Although, this is, it's one of them, it's one of the methods he uses often. So when, whenever these kinds of 
uh, thoughts occur to you, it is important for you to, uh, to, to recognize that the devil is present, is, is around you somewhere. Are, are you with me? Uh-huh. But I'm, now, today, we're talking about you yourself. You yourself. And the reason why people do that, let me, let me continue reading. It says, it says, or, or it may employ some deceptive element, such as improper punctuation or double meaning, especially if the intent is to deceive, evade, blame, or misrepresent the truth. Today, I don't feel like I'm preaching the thing well. But don't worry, it's more small, it will come. You tell somebody the truth, but not all. There is some left. Your eyes will be open. You will see good and evil. But I don't tell you that you will also die. See, and the idea is that if I add that last information, you need it to take a proper decision. If I add that, you will die. If you will have said, eh? it's okay. <laughs> It's okay. I don't need to be God. I don't need to open my eyes. No, no, no. no. It's okay. You, no, 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 no. So, no, you see, and because the devil's intent, intent was to deceive, he left out that important truth. And he knew that they would die. But he didn't add that one to it. So, when saying that, we're saying that when we lie, this is because I said that at the beginning, when you are younger, bare face lies. It's not the ones that you when As you grow older, you learn this one. So, when, so that the story does not become totally unbelievable. There's some truth in it. So the truth now makes challenge. Am I, am, I, am I preaching to you well this, this evening? Am I preaching to you well this evening? Yeah. Then, then number three, and then I think that we can close for tonight. Maybe when I come next week, next week I will look for examples of these types of lies to try and make the Make it clearer. But I think that you are, it's, you are getting it now. It's, it's making sense to you now. And many of us do it to our friends. We do it a lot. We do it to our parents. You say some and leave some. Okay, so, so who broke the plate? Is it was Kirsten and Kayla who were in the kitchen at the time the, pro, the plate broke. If you ask Kirsten, she will say the part that does, that does not involve her. You get it? She will say Kayla's part and leave her part. Killer's part is true. But what she has, she has not said the whole truth because she has left out her part, which is also a truth. When you call Killer to, she will also say it, her part, and leave, so you see, say Kirsten's part and leave the part that you, you get it. Unless you bring the two, two of them together, you can hear the full story. You have half, they add it together. But otherwise, what happens is that they tell, they don't, it's not a lie. Oh, so me and Kayla went to the kitchen, wanted to, uh, to go and make some conflict. So the bowl was upstairs, and then it was up in the cabinet, and I couldn't reach it. So I said, Kayla should give me, so all this time, it's Kayla's name they are mentioning, you know. Kayla should give me a stool to stand on. So Kayla stood on, so when Kayla brought that thing, I stood on it, as I was taking it, then I don't know what happened, Kayla just hit me, then the plate just fell down from my hand, and then it broke. Do you see? But that's, that's like, it's the whole story, is Kayla, 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 Kayla. The only thing Kirsten has done in the story is that, the two of them went to the kitchen. She stood on the stool and Kayla hit her. But when you call Kayla and come and hear the, full of the rest of the story, you will see what happened. You get so, so that's, that, and that's how we do it a lot. A lot of us see. I, I'm, see, I'm preaching to Christians, eh? 
I, I, why I'm preaching this thing is, is to, when I continue, you will see that God, there are many different kinds of sins we commit. Sins that God is not very happy about. But I have noticed that God's reaction sometimes to some things is, is, it's a bit more serious than others. What I'm saying is, not that some sins are smaller than others or some sins are bigger than others, but, but there are some sins that God just reacts to them in a way that is more serious than some other ones. You know, one of the things I have noticed in the Bible that God doesn't like at all, which makes him really upset, is idol worship or like worshiping something else that is not God. It, it, it really, I mean, if you put it on the level of other things, this one, it really gets him upset. Another one is lying. This particular one. That's how come a man and the, and the wife can die on the same day, a few minutes apart. Yeah. What else is this making sense to you? Paul, Paul, who was called Saul, are you here with me? Paul, who was called Saul, he used to go about, you know, the day that Stephen was killed, Stephen was stoned, and he was kneeling down. He said, I see the heavens open, I see Jesus on the right hand side. That day when Stephen was being stoned there, Saul was standing there. The Bible says that Saul was the one who was holding the people's dresses for them. Like he would, it's like, I want to throw a stone, but my outer coat is disturbing. So they jikrami. Jikrami. Saul was the one who collected all the people, jikrami, jikrami. The last stone that they used to hit the guy's head before he died, he took it from the floor and gave it to the person. Collect. And they killed the guy. But look, in spite of that, he, after that, he went to the chief priest to go and collect a letter to go and go and arrest Christians and put them in jail. But what did God do? Jesus met him on the way, gave him some small blindness, which even went away afterwards. And then he made him a great apostle and all of that. But small line that Ananias came to lie, Charlie, the thing is, is, is we have kept half of the money. You get it. But it's not that it's ours for us. It's, and like, we were going to bring all, but when we look at the amount, you know, it was too heavy to come and give it as offering in the church, which is what some of us have been doing. You, see, you take the offering from your pocket, when you check it, you say, no, 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 no. This one, yeah, let's divide it into two. Yeah. And then you are telling God that, oh, this is, this is it, but half is in your pocket. You see, and, and, and the man died. Because he didn't kill somebody. He, what did he do? He told a lie, which we do all the time and think, oh, it won't be anything. But he died for it. His wife came back, same thing. She also died for it. So, lying is such a serious thing that you, as a Christian, you need to pay much and, and, and try very, very hard to remove it out of your life. Hallelujah. That's why I'm talking about it for a whole month. Amen. And then, so let me talk about the last one. And then, and then oh, it's not the last one, but anyway, the second one. And we can close. Is my time finishing or finished or something like that? We shall see. Lying by omission. You see, it's similar to the first one, right? It's not the same. Lying by omission. Lying by omission is when an important fact is left out in order to foster a misconception. Lying by omission includes the failure to correct pre-existing misconceptions. Are you in the church? So, so I'll give you an example. So you see, let's take Kesti and Kela again. See, Kesti and Kela, they are sisters. They work together. They have sisters who live in the same house. Now, 
let's take it that Kirsten was born in the UK. You get it? Because, like, she's older, she was born in the UK. And then Kayla was born in Ghana. You get it? But if Kayla, you see, like, you know how we Ghana people, we like So if, if Kayla, if Kirsten and Kayla are working together in school, and people say, oh, somebody says, oh, you see those two girls walking, Kirsten and Kayla, they were born in the UK. You get it? That is a wrong, the person has the wrong information. Not the two, the two of them were not born in the UK. Only one was born in the UK. But because Kayla also wants to feel good about being born in the UK, she won't tell the person saying the thing that, no, 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 it's only Kirsten. So she will keep quiet. It's a lie. So Kirsten, Kayla was walking about in the school with Kirsten and said the two of them all were born in the UK. Meanwhile, she cannot hear no one that they born hell. But she will not say anything to the person. It's like, it's like, look, this thing that they are thinking is very nice. It's very good. So let, her, let them keep believing it. Do you see? So that's what I'm saying. Blind or mission is that you don't, you don't even do anything to try and correct the misconception the person has in their head. Let them, because why? Maybe it favors you that they believe that lie. Are you, are you in the church with me? So for example, this is an example that I saw. Some, some way. Like maybe it may, it may work. See, for example, when a, the seller of a car eh, declares that the car has been serviced regularly, the car is, is okay. You are selling the car and the car is serviced regularly. But does not mention that a fault was reported during the last service. So I'm selling my car, okay? And I'll tell the person, oh, this car is in very good condition. Every month we go and do servicing, they do check whatever it is. But then the last time we went to go and do the servicing, there was something wrong with the car. But they will not say that. I will not say that one. I will just tell the person, oh, every... Because it's true. They service it every time. What I have not told you is that there was a fault the last time. That one, I've kept it to myself. It's lying by omission. By not, by not saying something important, it's a lie. What I'm saying, is it making sense to you? Is it making sense to you? So you say that, oh, uh, Reverend William, hmm, this girl and this boy, I saw them last time behind the... This thing, the wall there, they were walking in the darkness. What, what you didn't add was that they were kissing. Mm. You saw them behind the wall. That is true. They were walking in the darkness. That is true. They were kissing, but that one you will not see. That one, I don't want to be a concerned person. I, I, should go, I should go and see. That's what people say. Me! Hey! <laughs> An omission is when a person tells most of the truth but leaves out a few key facts that therefore completely obscures the truth. And I'll give you, I'll give you an example that is in the Bible. Genesis 29, um, the story of um, Jacob. After Jacob deceived his father and took Esau's blessing, Esau was looking for him to kill him. So Jacob's mother called him, Rebecca, and told him to run away and go to her brother's house, who, who, who was Laban, and that's Jacob's um, uncle. Are you still here with me? And so Jacob went to go and work, work for Laban. And then he saw Rachel. Rachel was Laban's daughter, one of Laban's daughters. And Jacob fell in love with, with her and said that he would marry her. So Laban said that he should work for, her, for him for seven years and then he'll give Rachel to him to marry. 
Am I preaching too, too slowly? Seven years passed. The Bible said that he, he didn't even feel the seven years passed because Charlie, he was so in love. When the time came for the wedding to happen, the man, the girl's father, they did everything. They did everything, the wedding. And unfortunately, the wedding was in the evening. So they did everything. And then there was a veil on the woman's face. So when it was time for you to kiss the bride, when Jacob opened the veil, who was it but Rachel's older sister, which was Leah. Leah. Are you in the church? And Jacob was not very happy at all about it. You see. But you see, if you read the story, let me read, let me read the conversation between um, Genesis, Genesis um, 29. I think I'll close here. And then we shall see what God will do the next week. Uh, 13. 18. Okay, so verse 18 says, and, and now Jacob loved Rachel. So he said, I will save you seven. Even he is the one who even said it. I will save you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And then on and on and on and on and on. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her, verse 23, to Jacob. And he went into her, 24. But Laban gave his... No, 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 no. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Okay, verse 21 says, Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go in, into her. Laban gathered, uh, or they made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her into Jacob. Now, now, it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I saved you? Why then have you deceived me? And then Laban now said, listen to this, old, which was always true. Laban now said, it must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. So you see, when, when Jacob told Laban that he wanted to marry Rachel, Laban should have told him that in our country, you, you don't marry the younger one before the firstborn. But he kept quiet. Why? Because the guy offered to work for him seven years for the girl. So he thought that Charlie can get free labor. So if the guy will work for me seven years, I'll, give, I'll trick him. Then if he wants Rachel now, another seven years, then... And Jacob was hardworking. So why, why not? So don't say anything about the firstborn. When he finishes the seven years, then we'll not tell him that, Charlie, you, have to, you can't marry the You have to marry the firstborn first. So this is, this is an example of what uh, lying by omission, that Laban, that Laban did. Amen. Are you, are you still in the church? Have you learned something today? I want to close. I don't want to talk, talk a lot um, this evening. But I want to say that, remember what I read in, in the book of James. That the tongue, which is what does the line, is it's a very small part of your body, but it can be very, very dangerous. The Bible says that it is able to condemn a, the whole person into hell. A person will end up in hell because of their tongue. Not because they did anything else. They didn't steal. They didn't kill somebody. Your tongue in your mouth can take you straight to hell. And I'm, I'm believing God that as you are hearing these things these, these days, God, by his Holy Spirit, will give you the power you need to tame the tongue. You know, when I was reading the, the James, the book of James, the whole, I almost was becoming um, discouraged because all James was telling us was that the tongue cannot be controlled. <laughs> That's what he, he didn't tell us. He didn't encourage us. You know, he didn't, I didn't see any encouragement there. That's like, he only told us that the tongue is like this. It's so bad. He, did this. See, he even said that animals have been tamed 
People have been able to go and bring animals, go and bring bears, wild beasts. They have been able to tame them. But I don't know has been able to tame it. So I was almost, hey, is there any hope for us? But by the power of the Holy Spirit, receive the grace to be able to tame your tongue. May God help you to tame your tongue. May God, you know, you know when I look at myself, eh, I, I've changed. I know that I have changed. Because, I mean, the way I used to talk, it's not the way that I talk nowadays. It's become much, much better. Like, much, much better. You know, and so I know very well that the Holy Spirit has the power to help you to bring your tongue under control and to overcome this poison of lies in the name of Jesus. Close and let's pray. You can stand to, stand to your feet in your house, wherever you are, and let us just close our eyes and pray. I want you to pray for yourself. Jesus said that when he goes, he will send us another comforter. And the Holy Spirit is many things to us. One of the things that he is to us is, one of the main things he is to us is a helper. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help you. No, don't say, me, this thing, when I'm preaching, I'm not inside. You are inside. I gave you examples. Where you say the story, you say half of the story and leave, and leave the other half. Just to make the person believe something else other than what is the real thing. So you know that you are in it. There's no way that you can say, I, I don't tell this kind of lie. Close your eyes close your eyes, and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Help me, Lord, to, to overcome, this, to overcome this, this danger of the tongue, lying. Help me, Lord, to always tell the truth. The tr- Jesus said that I am, I am the way, the truth. The presence of Jesus in your life is supposed to cause truth to manifest in your life. Just pray and ask the Holy Spirit, may I be a person who tells the truth. No matter what the cost may be, no matter what the consequences may be, help me, O God. Deliver me, Lord, from this danger of being a liar, telling lies all the time in the mighty name of Jesus. Pray. There's somebody, there's somebody, your line has almost become like a disease. Sometimes, in normal speaking, we call it, we say the person is a pathological liar. Which means that the line has become like a disease to you that doesn't go away. Close your eyes and pray for yourself. The Holy Spirit is touching you right now and is delivering you from that spirit that has bound itself to you and won't let you go in the mighty name of Jesus. From today, you are going to be a person who tells the truth no matter what happens. Pray for yourself right now. Speak in tongues and just pray. Maha. Rabaha Santo Kiba. Debron Torianda Labrasa Koli Brondori Bribosh. Le Malandirianda Kabahava Satoki Branta Kibalaba. Le Toribriunda. Libaha Satakabalaba. Rabaha Basalaba. Father, I pray for somebody who is bound by an evil spirit of lying and of lies. In the mighty name of Jesus, I command them loose right now in Jesus' name. I declare freedom and liberty to them right now in the mighty name of Jesus. May they be free now in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for the words that we have heard today. Lord, we, we believe that with the word comes also the grace to do it. And we thank you for your grace that as we hear these things, we are being changed more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. I pray for everybody who has heard me. Grant us power to do what we hear. I ask the Lord you will keep us safe. Protect us. Watch over us. May nothing evil happen to us. In the mighty name of Jesus. Whatever sickness may come near us, Lord, deliver us. In Jesus' name. Heal us who are, who are ill and not feeling well. In the mighty name of Jesus. And bless us in these times, Lord. We give you praise and we give you glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now you are watching me. I want to pray with you. You want to say, Pastor, this line thing you are saying eh? I'm inside uh, and I've tried to stop uh, I'm not stopping. The first step to being free from this demon that binds you 
is to give your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible shows us that when a man gives his heart, his heart to Jesus, when a man becomes born again, all things, all things pass away and everything becomes new. God takes the old spirit from inside you and puts inside you a new one, which is holy and truly righteous. So you are, you are here, you want to say, Pastor, I want to do what is right. I want to do what the Bible says. I'm telling you that the first step is to give your life to Jesus Christ. If you want to give your heart to Jesus Christ, close your eyes. I will pray with you. Jesus will come and live in your heart. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me even when I was a, such, I'm, I'm such a bad sinner. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I believe that only you can save me from my sins. Lord Jesus, come and live in my heart. Be my savior. Be my Lord. Take control of my life. From today, I will live for you. I will follow you. I will obey only you. Thank you, Lord, for giving me and for coming to live in my heart. Please write my name in the book of life. One day, when I leave this earth, I will be in heaven with you, walking with you, and talking with you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Humble.